Last week, we talked about general and specific calling, or at least cracked it open. We're hitting this for a few weeks, and I want to I hit kind of the next building block of this. We spoke last week about fanning the flame of your calling, and general calling has to do with what we are all called to as believers. As those who follow Jesus, this is the general call of our lives. And I said that each and every one of you have at least a general calling, and you have a specific calling. Our specific calling is something that the Lord wants to highlight. And maybe some of you, even this week, uh, were good students and you followed what I, what I encouraged you to do, which was to seek the Lord about your specific calling, to go, to go a bit deeper with him and say, God, are there areas that, that I've been compromising with my specific calling? Are there areas where I've been distracted? Are there areas that you want to hone in a development of my specific calling? And so we will get into the specific calling shortly. But first, we need to focus on the whys. Focus on the whys. And the reason being is because if you know the whys of your calling, it gives you the foundation, the foundation to actually build on securely to maintain focus as you are building with God. So today I am preaching on sharpened focus for your calling. So let's begin here. Why is it important to know your specific calling? There's two main reasons. The first, to maintain focus. The first reason to know your specific calling is to maintain focus. You won't be pulled around by the new shiny object. You won't be, you won't be, thrown, into, um, you won't be thrown into the next wave or the next movement as you hear a new idea. You won't um, engage with time suckers or distractions or pulled into counterproductive directions or currents of life. You know, as a creative, I would say I am a creative myself, um, and starting middle school, high school, there were all sorts of ways to engage in different forms of creativity. Um, music, painting, pottery, photography, video. There's all sorts of ways, right? And I know many of you, if not most of you, are quite creative in the room. And that being said, when you are a creative, it can be very easy to be distracted because A, you're a creative and you're distracted anyway. B, you're like, I've, I've always wanted to do pottery. I, I knew this was the time. And so you might be good at painting, but you set down your paintbrushes to get your hands in some clay. And so all of a sudden you're like quite good because you're creative. You're, you're actually pretty good at like a lot of things, but you're not really good at maybe a couple things. And that, that can apply to any of our lives, really. I know some of you are like, oh yeah, I need to probably give up the pottery. I need to give up the pottery. It's okay, maybe that's your thing. Maybe that's it. If you're on a boat, it is so easy to just quickly drift with the currents if you do not have the motor running or you don't have the sails up. Pretty quickly, you're way off course from where you were meant to be. And so many of us are kind of like boats with our sails down. Our, our motors are in idle. And all of a sudden you find yourself, how did I land this 80-hour work week where I'm tired, I'm drained emotionally, mentally I'm flatlined, I don't have time for things of the kingdom, I'm just paying my bills. How did I land this 80 hours a week? And it's, it's because your motor's in idle, your sails are down, and you're just, you're just kind of surviving. And, and I want to awaken us out of survival and into thriving in abundant life with Jesus. Now, when I'm talking about calling, it doesn't have to do specifically with your career path 
though it could. A lot of us have career paths that are important part of our lives, and maybe it's not our primary calling. But outside of that, you have a lot of hours to build in the kingdom of God. And I gotta say, probably, even if you don't feel like your career path is the area where God has a calling in your life, that kingdom influence, that is a calling that is going to infuse into your your nine to five kind of work situation. And so I, I fully believe that this is a season. We're starting this year. This is the reason why we're going after purpose and passion, both for individuals and corporately, because this is a time where it's, it's, it's the season to engage the motors again in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants that fresh oil operating in your motors. This is the season to raise your sails again. And I know a lot of you have been going through disappointment. You've been going through hopelessness. And the Lord is saying, this is the time, son. This is the time, my daughter, to safely with me. We're going to raise the sails again. And the winds of the Spirit are going to set you back on course. This is the season. Don't look to the current or past disappointments of life. Can we together raise sails in hope again? It's time to dream again. It's time for fresh vision together. Let's get back to building together. But let me begin by showing you some fresh vision for your calling again. And so he wants to get us out of merely existing. Some of you have felt that. I've just been in kind of just existing. And he wants to get us out of the places that we are stuck or complacent. And he wants us to move from existing to actually living. Someone say amen. Amen. Someone say do it God. God. It's time for personal awakening. It's time for personal revival. There is more. That phrase has been ringing in my my head all week. There is more. Some of you need to know there is more. Period. There is more. And we need the lightnings of heaven to come. We need the lightnings of heaven to come to awaken us, to bring us in a sharpened direction and richer meaning and purpose in our lives. God is stirring up in this city right now a revival, renewal kind of spirit in the land. And there's going to be personal expressions, and there's going to be corporate expressions. There will be regional expressions of the move of the fire, power, and presence of Jesus in the land. I believe that the Lord is fostering in the house. He's teaching us how to engage with the Lord so that we can create thin spaces. This is historically, even the, the, the Celtics would call thin spaces, places where it felt like heaven was touching earth so easily. The Lord is all about bringing heaven's influence to earth. He wants to do it through your life. In fact, you are a walking thin space. You are a walking open heaven. Now, what happens when sons and daughters are awakened that they have an open heaven over their lives? The only closed heaven is between your ears. If you are a follower of Jesus, it's time to realize the open heaven and access we have by the cross of Jesus that he has made a way into the holy of holy place. You don't have to leave. You just got to get your head out of the corner and look back to the throne. That's where you're seated. That's where you're at. And so the Lord is awakening us to be those who powerfully, boldly approach the throne, live in that place. And collectively, we've got about 400 people in the room. Imagine if 400 people are living with that kind of access to open heaven. Don't you think that revival fire is going to be fanned into flame? 
Don't you think as someone walks in the door with 400 individuals accessing heaven, that the glory of Jesus will be felt and demonstrated? This is what he's awakening us to, that it's not just about personal awakening. It is about corporate awakening, regional awakening. The Lord wants to do it more than we want him to do it. And he's doing it in the land. He's doing it. So here's the truth. You are not actually living. You're not actually living until you're doing what God dreamed for you to do. And I could give you all kind of pointers, all sorts of tips, all sorts of pro tips about how to live with your purpose. But that's really pointless because the thing that is, that is the one focus point of our life that actually brings that meaning, that actually when we, when we turn, turn to the one thing, which is Christ and him crucified, that all of the other things start to make sense. When you turn your life to Christ and Christ crucified alone, then he starts to breathe on your calling and your purpose. But without that, we are just sticking Band-Aids on things. We are just giving temporary fixes. We are just giving little goosebumps now and again. But we are all about Christ and him crucified. Okay, now apply that to our lives, Jesus. What does that look like? As we, as we focus in on you, as we have a razor focus, that then you can breathe upon the dreams and giftings and callings of every one of your children. That's what we're about. And so I want to open us up first to Psalm 37. Would you go there with me? Psalm 37. This is an incredible promise of the Lord that we can focus on in our callings. We'll put it up on the screen. Psalm 37, starting in 23. I love how the New Living gives it. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Some of you are like, I feel like God's abandoned me. He is delighting in every detail of your life. Though they stumble, this is is those who are, are following the Lord. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. We, we hit that home last week. The Lord holds you by the hand and leads you onward. I mean, this is an incredible promise in itself. Your temporary issues might feel like you are stumbling. It might feel that way. And in fact, the language here is, is though there are temporary issues or material setbacks, maybe you're experiencing hardships. In due time with the Lord, you will rise victoriously for God upholds your life with his mighty right hand. That's the truth of following Jesus. But we have this promise of his hand, his hand that steadies us, his hand that keeps us from falling. There is a long-term permanence that is emphasized here in the text. And though sorrow may last for the night, his joy comes in the morning, Psalm 30, verse 5. I want to emphasize here that God is not forcing your steps. He is directing your steps. He is not controlling your steps He's not domineering. Once in a while, he will knock you off your donkey like Paul. But usually, he's not going to do that. Maybe today's a new day. Maybe, Lord, just knock us off our donkeys, actually. Feel free. But he's not domineering. But because of that, it means that we have major responsibility by the decisions and choices that we make. Those decisions and choices that we are making every day, the big decisions, the small decisions, are all aligning a pathway 
a pathway in our lives, either a path of life or a path of destruction. Which one are you carving out every day by your small everyday decisions? But as we align, as we listen, as we wait on the Lord, as we step in daily with obedience, Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. This is what you were created for. For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The work of the Holy Spirit in our life, moving on our calling, is like an internal GPS system. It's pulling us back. Oh, you're a little bit off track. That's okay, son. You're trying to listen. Let me get you back on track. And so many of us have more faith that we are going to miss the GPS of God. We've given more faith that we're going to miss it. And so we're actually responding with fear and lack of faith. But really, all we got to do is tune in to the best of our ability. Holy Spirit, let me, let me hear you. Let me align to the GPS. Yeah. And can we put more faith in the fact that even if we miss it, he is so gracious by his mighty right hand to lead us back right. on the path of life. Yeah. It's the promise of the Lord. If we're paying attention, if we're looking for it, if we're listening for it, he will lead you and direct your steps successfully. Okay, so why is it so important to know your specific calling? There are two main reasons why we need to know our specific calling. Number one, to maintain focus, and number two, to effectively use your gifts. In order to walk out your purpose, God has given each of us, he has designated to each of us specific gifts and callings. And the gifts are there to maximize the callings in our lives. Romans 12, verse six. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Verse six, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. So what, what's happening here? Paul is highlighting the diversity and the unity of the church. He is comparing it to the human body. And just as we have many members or many parts of our body that all function together, the church is similarly united together, working together in Christ to show the world a, a true and accurate, accurate representation of who Jesus is. So if we are actually working together where someone is the thumb and someone is the right foot and we are actually working together in unity and diversity, then the world is going to look at the church both regionally and globally and say, wow, you are actually looking like Jesus. That's the hope. An accurate, unified representation of who Christ is. I want to I give us a little story here, a little food for thought when it has to, has to um, deal with with calling. There's a gentleman back in the 90s who was quite an expert mechanic. Um, he, he was doing very well. His business was thriving. He was married. He had a couple kids. Their family was very happy. Um, and and he, he sensed, like, even though he had so much favor on his business, even though he had all that favor on his business as a mechanic, he was like, I love how these other men are teaching from the Word of God. And and what, I've, what I'm doing in my Bible study, I'd love to actually do full-time. And so he started to explore full-time work as a pastor. And so he joined what looked like a great opportunity. He joined a big church across town, and he became a teaching pastor. But 
before he did so, a mentor in his life sat down with him and, and, and kind of gave him a warning and was like, hey, you're actually really good at what you're doing as a mechanic. I, I feel like that's where the favor of God is. Perhaps that's your calling. And, and maybe reconsider if full-time ministry is, is what you are called to. And so this man's like, thank you so much. I, I just got to do this. So he went, he did it. The grace was almost immediately lifted off of his life in so many areas. Uh, trouble in his marriage, his kids started wandering from the Lord, um, finances dwindled, kind of all the different areas of life that you, you want to see succeed were not succeeding. There wasn't a grace for it. And so, so sadly, he ended up um, leaving that position and he went back to being a mechanic, probably tail tucked between his legs, you know? And, and while he, he started up his job again, the Lord gave him a dream in the night. And in this dream, he saw um, a computer hooked up to a car in a specific way. And the Lord gave him a download of how to diagnose a vehicle. So he worked with his friend and found a method that was four times more effective and four times faster than whatever current model was out there at the time. Because the Lord breathed on his gifting, he was able to then have favor. And, and at the time, CarMax, which we know is huge, was only in five states at the time. But CarMax made the contact with him and bought his machines for every single one of their dealers and, and has continued on. It became the new standard for diagnosing car issues. And it came from a dream in the night. Now, all of a sudden, someone that thought, you know what the ultimate calling is? It's to be a pastor. It's to preach. It's to teach the word of God. I got to say, the ultimate calling in your life is the the exact calling that God has for your life. And so we love this whole comparison thing, don't we? Just because I've got a microphone on stage does not mean that my calling is any more effective than what God has called you to. We got to rid ourselves of that comparison thing. We are part of the body of Jesus, and every part is vital. And so he returned to being a mechanic, and the favor was on his life. His family thrived. His finances thrived. And then he was able to financially sow into the kingdom of God. You know, God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But we have the mind of Christ. And that means the Lord will align us and give us that wisdom and discernment as we walk in obedience. Isn't that a cool story? I want to now talk about the second why. We just asked why it's important to know your calling. Now we're going to ask, why is it important to live in your calling? Why it's important to live in your calling, number one, you will have true fulfillment and satisfaction. Someone says, I want true fulfillment and satisfaction. Galatians 6, verse 4. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Guess what happens in your life when you begin to step into your calling? When you actually begin to step in it, life starts to brim and overflow in your life. Where you did not have energy before, all of a sudden you got some fresh energy in your life because you're stepping into what you were created for. If you're, if you're not in it, if you're not in your calling or your purpose, you're far off, you lose vision. What happens? You start to weaken. You can literally feel it in your body. Your mind gets clouded. You feel disengaged. Life feels draining and pretty dim. Um, I remember right after college, I, I graduated from ministry school in Chicago, 
2008, right when the crash happened. Great timing. And so I thought, I thought I'm either going to do ministry or I'm going to do photography or video work. We got two cool things that I could, I could float into. And so 2008 happens. Everyone's losing their jobs. I start going to these different production companies around town. Here's my resume. And the guy's like, dude, I don't even have a job at the end of the month. And I'm like, oh, shoot. Okay. So I go into, as I refer to as my shepherding season, uh, I valeted cars. Uh, very similar to where I identify with King David. Um, valeting cars. You know, I, I, it's, it's safe to say that valeting cars was not my specific calling. I, I, I don't think it was. Um, on the coldest, the coldest recorded winter in Chicago history. So that was awesome. Do everything without complaining. Or, <laughs> yeah. Um, and you might know I am, I'm quite a social human being. And uh, this ruined my, my social calendar. Uh, because every night I'm out there from about 4.30 to midnight shepherding cars. Uh, favorite season of my life, really. No. Um, so while I'm doing that, I'm having a lot of conversations with God. Like, what is next? I just gave my life for ministry. I just gave my life in all these ways to be equipped. And I'm, I'm, I'm stuck here. Or I thought I was stuck. Little did I know that during the day, the Lord was actually developing me, develop, developing me in intimacy with him. He's like, thanks for being social. Be social with me. Um, so I, I developed intimacy with the Lord during the day while everyone else is at work. In Chicago, people have nine to five jobs. I know that doesn't exist here. Um, <laughs> So I would develop intimacy with God. I, would, I was developing my worship to the Lord. And I was developing my skill as a photographer and videographer at the time. And so God was, it was really moving and developing me in those issues, uh, in, in those different ways. And so pretty soon I started to have enough business to move into um, full-time photography and video work. And guess what? I started coming alive started coming alive because I could no longer, I no longer had to do what felt really difficult in my valet season. I could start stepping into areas where I felt like God had actually called me. Media work, I could do Bible study, I could go deep with my friends and pursue the Lord. And so I was starting to scratch the very thing that, that was motivating in my life and my calling. And so I want to look here again at verse four. It says, pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. So what brings uh, the, the reason why it's so important to live in your calling? True fulfillment and satisfaction. Secondly, you're not going to envy others. You're not going to envy what other people do or how they minister. You could, have, um, you could have a friend that's traveling the world, packing stadiums because they're an expert musician. Or you could have a friend that's living in North Carolina, where I'm from. I actually have some of these. Where I have, I have moments of weakness here in Los Angeles where the noise feels a lot. And I open up Instagram and someone's like making canned peaches <laughs> with their four acres and their kids running around. And I'm like, that feels easy. That, that feels nice. And what they pay for their four-bedroom beautiful home, I couldn't afford a condo, or a 
What? <laughs> Not even a one bedroom here in La La in comparison. And that's when you have moments of weakness. You're like, Lord, remind me of my calling. Remind me of my calling, Lord. Can anyone relate to that? Some of us just want some canned peaches, you know? But here's the thing. We compare. It's so easy to compare. What's ironic is that when, sometimes when we're weak, what do we do? We open our phone. We're like tired, so we open up Instagram. And then we're like bombarded with all the cool things everyone else is doing. And you're like, hmm, I'm comparing. I might even be envying a little bit. Time to shut that and get back to your calling. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, I also want to point out that God's measurements are not our measurements. It's not a lesser call if you are meant to be a stay-at-home mom homeschooling your two kids or you have a YouTube channel with two million followers. It's not a lesser call, one or the other. God knows and confirms and satisfies those who are living in their calling. He likes that he is the primary audience. That's the key right there. He likes that he is the primary audience. Number three, why is it important to live in your calling? We, we said true fulfillment and satisfaction. You're not going to envy others. And number three, you're strengthened. John 4, 34. Jesus said to his, to his disciples, my food is that you do the will of him who sent me. That's his father. My food is to do the will of my father and to finish his work. Isn't that interesting? This is my food. It's a funny way to say it. What does food do? Food gives strength. Today, there's, there's a little game called the Super Bowl. Um, Los Angeles, you might not be aware. Sports exist, and uh, there's a Super Bowl game today. Uh, let's take a poll. Who's rooting for the 49ers? It's pretty low. Who's rooting for the Chiefs? Now... Guys, that was about a quarter of the room raising your hands. Raise your hand if you don't care. Um, confirming again what I said. There are sports in, in Los Angeles. And, um, you know, it's okay. It's okay. That, that was a good... I always felt that you guys didn't care about sports. Just really confirmed it today. Thank you. We, we had a true, a true poll in the house. That was good. Wow. I don't know, that really blessed me. I don't... All right. No one cares. My uncle was the chiropractor for the 49ers since I was little. So uh, I used to meet the players. I, I, I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan, honestly. I'm a fan though. So there it is, for what it's worth. Go Niners. All right. No one cares about it. Well, this is going to make this a powerful illustration then. Um, what do you think the NFL players are eating before the game today? I can guarantee you that they're not eating Chick-fil-A because that's closed on Sunday. Whoever shouted that. Zach. They are not eating a bunch of Tostitos. Though the commercials may fool you. 
They are not downing a gordita crunch or mellow yellow or some pizza rolls before the big game. Absolutely not. They're probably getting a lot of protein in, some clean eating, maybe some rice, they need some carbs. Who knows, really? But food is their strength. It's their fuel, right? And good food energizes us. So when you're in your calling, when you're doing the will of your Father, you are energized. That is your food, and that is where you are strengthened. So let's look at the life of King David. King David, when he was reigning, I mean, this is an incredible man, a man after God's own heart. He is powerful. He's sensitive to the Lord. He's a musician. He's anointed. But watch what happens when he is disengaged from his purpose. It's a warning to us. 2 Samuel 11.1. It happened in the spring of that year. At the time when, when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. He remained at Jerusalem. This was the time when the kings go out to battle. David remained in Jerusalem. David's got this title of a king. He's got the calling, but he's not currently operating in his calling. He's supposed to be at battle, but commentators agree. Something's wrong. Something's off. There is a contrast between the soldiers in the field and the king at leisure. He's supposed to be at work, but he's at home watching Netflix and chilling. Did you like that? Okay. I cooked that up earlier. Okay. He's letting his mind wander. He's not eating the food of his father's will. And so he's weakened. He's outside the flow of grace and purpose, and he starts letting his mind wander a little bit. His strength is gone. He walks outside, sees Bathsheba, and bam, major, major mess beginning. John 4, 34. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. His food is to do God's will, to do it, but also to finish the will of the Father. Don't you wish that we had more individuals, particularly in ministry, that didn't just start well, but finished the work that they were called to? I am grieved because it feels like every two weeks there is a new pastor or leader or someone in the faith that does not finish well. And, and this, this literally is an abuse to the church because these men and women of God that have fallen, start, I'm sure they all started with good heart intent, but somewhere along the way, like David, in their, in their weakness, in their weakness, when they were not engaged with their calling, when they had lost their passion, when they got sidetracked, bam, they're hit with sin. And we have, we have got to be those individuals who do not let ourselves, do not let ourselves stay in that place of weakness. We should be those engaged with our calling, letting the Holy Spirit remind us so that we, we don't disengage and fall into various forms of weakness. We have got to finish well. Living on purpose and calling brings the fruit of joy. Now, why am I talking about joy? Aren't I talking about strength? Well, joy, joy directly impacts strength in your life. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It brings us through trials and tribulations. Paul addresses the Philippian church. I love this. Philippians 4.1. 
he's speaking to these these Philippian believers that he loves, and he says, my, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. It's, he's like, hey, stay true, stay the course. I love you and I long to see you, dear friends. Here's the part I want us to pay attention to. For you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. What's the joy and the crown that I receive? It's you guys, it's you guys. What does this mean? The spiritual success that the Philippian church was having at the time was Paul's crowning achievement. He's like, I am pouring out my life for you. The shipwrecks, the traveling, the tireless nights, the days in prison, the days where I am beaten and left for dead, it's all worth it. You are my crowning jewel to see you thrive in your spiritual life. He had focus, he had intent, he knew what his calling was. And he said that the very love of God just gripped his heart for these people. And that was his focus. And the joy was to see people come to faith and mature spiritually in Christ. And that was what strengthened him. That was his food to continue preaching the gospel with any kind of hardship that would come, with any kind of imprisonment or any kind of beatings that he faced. So why is it important to live in your calling? True fulfillment, not envying others. You are strengthened. And number four, this is, I believe, the most important reason to live in your calling. Number four, you'll be rewarded eternally, eternally. In our Western culture, I can't tell you how many times we forget. We, we don't even think about eternity. Besides like when I die, I'm going to heaven. But we, we have disengaged from our lives that we one day have to stand before Jesus and give account for what we've done in our lives. I'm not talking about sin. He has eradicated that on the cross if you're, if you're a believer as far as the east is from the west, but we do have to face the judge who is going to give a judgment, an assessment of your life and, and, and look up about what you have done to steward it well. Can we be those that, that he looks at and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. That should be the cry of our hearts. We will be rewarded eternally. If you have an eternal perspective, when you have that eternal perspective, you're going to live completely differently. If you only had one day, one day, a one-day perspective versus a three-month perspective, if you had a one-day perspective, I, I would go to Cheesecake Factory. I, I would throw that skinny-licious menu out the window. <laughs> and I would browse that, what has the most calories? That one. Buttery, fatty, good, I want it. I eat it, and then I get some cheesecake, and then I travel down here to Sawtell, and I'd get a good boba, and I'd get that creamy foam. You know the creamy foam? Maybe some extra creamy foam, and I'd down it. Because one day, that's my perspective. Fill me up with the good stuff, right? But if you've got a three-month perspective, a six-month perspective, you're gonna be like, if I eat like that every week, you know, this is not gonna go away. This, we gotta tighten this, we gotta build this, right? And that cheesecake and that cream foam ain't gonna help over time. Everything in moderation, everything in moderation. But the point is, you have a one-day perspective versus a three-month perspective, right? So many of us are living in a one-day perspective. So many of us are stuck in a one-day perspective when it has to do with our emotions, when it has to do with our dating relationships, 
one day perspective. Some of you are like, <coughs> hit a little bit. We're, we're not able to, to look into an eternal perspective. If we had an eternal perspective, knowing that we are going to give account for our lives, of how we steward this, we're going to change everything. I think we need a little more fear and trembling in the body when we are facing the king of glory to give account for our lives. Yeah? I don't know if I have more to say about that. We're in that one-day zone. It's hard for us to see past this current season. Paul, actually, this is, I want to quote this part. John, when he's, he's in his 90s, he's an old, old gentleman, and he pens these words in 2 John 1, verse 8. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. A full reward. Did you know that God is a rewarder? And one day we're going to stand before him. We're going to give account of, of how we stewarded our gifts, our callings, our lives. And as we stand before him, we're going to see what is pleasing to the Lord. And we're going to see what is worthless. And he will reward us accordingly. If you want to read more into that, I'm just going to, for the sake of time, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, I always, I tend to joke with individuals that, uh, you know, the very spiritual ones that talk about fasts that they've done. You got those friends that talk about, oh, I'm on a fast right now. Now, I don't want to be too legalistic because once in a while we just let it fly and you're like, oh, you're on a fast. That's great. But those that, I'm talking about those that are, are, are talking about their fasts to come across as more spiritual. And I said, well, the reward that you get into eternity is zapped because you just gave me the full reward right now. <laughs> because we're supposed to be those that, that are doing things in private. Yeah doing things like fasting, where, you know, scripture talks about, like, anoint your head with oil, go about your business. Like, they don't got to know what you're doing. This is between you and the Father. But we do certain things in our lives to come across as more spiritual. And I know that's not always the case. Sometimes we're just be being real, and I'll tell a friend, oh, I'm fasting, or whatever. I think that's different. It's the intention of our heart, right? Um, the same goes. Um, I love to lead worship. Um, I love, we have awesome worship leaders, great hearts, but if, if you are a worship leader and you're doing it for recognition, if you're doing it for advancement of your career, if you're doing it for any kind of gaining of your identity, sorry, no eternal reward for you. That is worthless. That is going to be burned away into eternity. But if you're doing it with a heart intent that is pure as a priest before the Lord, eternal reward and that doesn't matter if you're up on a stage or you're a worship leader in your closet. Doesn't matter if you're in a stadium or you're a worship leader in your group of eight. How does the Lord look at it? Do you think he's more pleased with someone that has an audience of 30,000 than an audience of six in their living room? Absolutely not. The Lord looks at the heart. He looks at the intention. He looks at the unique calling that he has for your life. Maybe he doesn't want you to be a stadium worship leader. Maybe he wants you to faithfully lead worship in a home setting and lead people to Jesus. And that this is where things are not measured in the way of men. This is where it's measured by God's standards, you know? And so at the same time, we have to be careful because sometimes 
I mean, I can feel it right now. I'm like starting to, to, to kind of cor- bring a little correction in the room, right? But at the same time, we have to celebrate those that the Lord does bring favor for a platform. And so we don't look at them in any kind of way of like, oh, I bet their intentions aren't good. I bet they don't. You know, we start to look into their lives and don't have any idea of their heart. And so we have to be those that really are holding this well, right? I could probably talk more about that, but that's kind of my point there. It's an eternal investment. What is not seen, but only God sees it. That will be an eternal reward. Um, when we still had the room in this, when we only had half the room, I think it was a year plus ago, um, we, I think it's okay to share this, we had a gentleman coming in in the mornings, and this is a little graphic, he would clog the toilets <laughs> over here, and it's humbling, it's humbling, I'd say, and one day, I went in there, and it was clogged, and I just was like, Lord, no one's going to see this but you. And I know I don't have a green room yet. I know no one's dropping me off in a black SUV yet. But I'm going to take that plunger and I'm going to do it for the glory of God. So I got the toilet unplunged. Was, I, got, I, got some, I got some poopy water on me, okay? Just, I'm just going to say it. And I said, wow, all, all is for your glory, God. All is for your fame. All is for your glory, Jesus. And I, I literally cleaned myself and it was like, I'm not gonna even tell anyone. This is between me and you. I am a servant of the Lord. And I actually felt like the Lord's like, you can tell a few people. As- <laughs> I was like, okay. Now I'm telling a few more people. More, I lost my reward in heaven, okay? For the sake of a sermon illustration, my reward is gone. This is my reward. This is, now you know I am, I am so humble. I am, I'm, really, I'm really here to serve you, okay? That's, that's what we're here for. All right. Living in your calling. (laughs) Fulfillment, free of comparison and envy, full of joy and strength, having eternal focus for an eternal reward. Eternal reward.